rock, and perhaps the most important question that will influence the top of the draft will the Bears move on from Justin Fields? The Chicago Bears select. All right, welcome into the Windy City War Room podcast. We're your hosts, Tim, Brian, and Alyssa. Welcome into our second episode, recording today on January 27th, a fun Saturday night. Thank you very much for listening in. If you listen to our second episode, um, today should be a lot of fun. We are planning on going through a little bit on what's going around the NFL, how that affects the Bears. We are going to talk a bit about the new hires. We have a brand new defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, and then we're going to have three different mock scenarios, and we're going to try to do this throughout the year. So let's go ahead and hop into the different coordinator hires we have. So we have a new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator hire that's taken over. Alyssa, why don't you talk a little bit about Shane Waldron? Because you called it last week. This was your prediction. This was your favorite on who we were going to hire. So let's uh, have you take it over on why you liked Walder and how he fits and just a little bit of that breakdown on the first hire and the biggest hire that we've had so far this offseason. Yeah, so Waldron to me is just a pretty innovative uh, coordinator. He does a lot of different looks. There's, you know, he had points where he had three tight ends out there. He's just very, uh, he's very smart with his play calls and just creative, something I think we lacked desperately with Luke Getze. So I think it's going to be uh, a good new element to the Bears offense. The receivers for him, uh, DK and, T- and Lockett in 2022 both had over a thousand yards. Kenneth Walker's been really good for them the past two years. So, and obviously Geno Gino Smith had his resurgence with Shane Waldron. So I think he's going to be a great fit for us. Whoever that quarterback is, I think DJ Moore is going to look really great in that offense and the running game with Roshan. I think he's going to be really good in that kind of, it's a little bit of a zone, like, speedy scheme i guess because walker has some speed to him but there's also a lot of power with there with charbonnet and whatnot so i think it i think it fits the personnel really well and i think waldron if he has a good year with us he's going to be in the offensive uh the head coaching cycle next year yeah brian any thoughts that you want to add in for waldron as the offensive coordinator no, I think Alyssa touched upon everything. I mean, he is the, you know, every fan base takes their offensive coordinator and then they want a new one. The complaints about him, I think I touched upon in the last episode, is he doesn't run enough. They're not effective when they run. But, I mean, Walker statistically looks pretty good. He has the same uh, alleged deficiencies as Getsy. Like, he's great off the script or on the script, and then once you deviate from that. So these things, you know, we'll see how things shake out. But I think if you told most Bear fans, like, you're going to get probably the, one of the most qualified offensive coordinator candidates, you know, polls and flus evidently were correct when they said that their phones were ringing off the hook for both coordinator positions. <laughs> Cause they filled both. Yeah. I mean, I remember talking months ago, like in the beginning of the season when we were not winning any games and everyone wanted to eat fired mid season. I remember saying like, Hey, let's bring in Waldron as the head coach. So the fact that we have him as an offensive coordinator, I think, I think it's fantastic. And what I really liked, I think that this really kills the narrative that keeping flus took us out of the running out of any top offensive coordinator because, you know, I I just think that look at how many offensive coordinators get fired every single year. And I think there's 14 openings this year. Um, I just don't think that the narrative that even if flus has a bad year, that we were the most attractive spot for an offensive coordinator to come to who wasn't going to be a head coach. Um, people can say that's because of the number one pick, but if you look at offense coordinators who want to get that head coaching job, there's no such thing as, you know, you have more than one year of security most of the time. Most of the time, nobody who who got hired under Frank Reich's staff last year thought he was going to get, you know, fired after, well, not six months. The offensive coordinator just got let go. I mean, nobody thought if you go to a, a coach like Mike Tomlin, who's been there for 17 years, that they're going to fire their offensive coordinator. I mean, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, they won an MVP and Greg Roman got fired and still doesn't have a job. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, Josh Allen, his offensive coordinator, got fired midway through the season. I mean, elite QBs don't save you from getting an offensive coordinator. It seems like the best way to move up in the NFL that I've found is to turn around a quarterback who's been struggling, that has a lot of talent, get that, you know, turnaround that nobody else was able to get out of them or get that young rookie quarterback like we saw Slowick, like we saw other guys do 
Uh, over the past year, Saipan in Indianapolis, you got the head coaching job. That's the path that offensive coordinators have. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts is about to have his fourth offensive coordinator in four years, though one of his got promoted. I mean, Justin Herbert's going to go through another offensive coordinator because Kellen Moore is gone. So I'm just glad that that narrative is gone. I think that Waldron was the top name that was out there along with probably Zach Robinson was right there as well for guys who aren't going to get a head coaching job. Um, so yeah, very excited that we got him. I think that you guys covered a lot that he does. I'm excited to see motion. I'm excited to see a lot of different things, but on paper, I don't think that this could have gone much better so far. Um, Agree. So, sorry, went on a little bit of a rant there because that was that narrative that was out there and it's been driving me insane. And I've just, I just had to throw that out there. So let's go oh, ahead. And don't, worry, don't worry, Tim, because the first bad game he calls, they'll be like, this is why we settled for Waldron. We should have got somebody else. <laughs> Oh, I, oh, I'm already ready for the first time Harbaugh does anything well. That, that That's going to be the conversation the entire time, you know. Hey, Harbaugh, um, went, Harbaugh went to a team he played for. It's just the one everyone <laughs> thinks about. We'll, we'll get to that here in a second. Let's hop in a little bit. So we hired a defensive coordinator this morning. We hired out Eric Washington, former Bears coach who is here what, 10, 15 years ago, actually. Brian, do you want to talk a little bit about him or anything on him? Uh, sure. And then we'll go over our thoughts. Yeah, I don't have as uh, much of a dossier of information as Alyssa had on Waldron. He does have extensive coordinating experience. He was under Rivera with Carolina, uh, overlapped a little bit with Brian Connections. He is a lovely disciple, so he was here from 2008 to 2010. So they are bringing a former Bear back into the fold. It's just not Chris Harris, which I think – some people were hoping for. Um, I don't have a vivid re recollection of Washington when he was here um, under Lovey. He did do a pretty good job developing a, a defensive line at Buffalo, which was like eight deep. Um, I mean, you have guys like Shaq Lawson and Leonard Floyd and Tim Settle, and everybody contributed in, in some capacity, and that's why they're defensive. Every episode, it's going to be in there, but... Um, but yeah, he's done a good job developing some of those names. Epinesa may be uh, teased later. Um, so there are some ties. It looks like he's going to be de developing some defensive line talent here. He'll have a lot of uh, stuff to work with here. Whether he's calling the plays, that's kind of to be determined. But I think it's a, a pretty solid hire. Yeah, I think it was already announced that Iberflus is going to still call plays. But I mean, we'll find out. Things always change on a whim in the NFL. He did also work with um, Carolina. Carolina had led the led the league in sacks a few years that he was with Carolina. Brian Burns has a connection there. I don't think Brian Burns is going to make free agency at all. But in the off chance he is, that might be a connection the Bears will look at. I mean, there's definitely it's it seems kind of funny because I think that there's always like a Bills Bears connection each off season. I can't remember his name, but there's the oh Ryan Bates. There was a guard two years ago. Yes, Ryan Bates. Me. And I remember being so upset that we didn't get him. So I'm like, we need that one guy to pay him $2 because that's going to mean something. Patrick. That was the most random. Bates watch? Yeah. Like backing <laughs> of an unnamed player I've ever seen. It's like, you did not even know he existed before he was signed. I know he's an obscure lineman, but I've never been upset about a more obscure lineman that we didn't get. But <laughs> uh, and then, of course, last year we had Tremaine Edmonds. And, you know, I, I really like the hire of Washington. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about him beyond he has followed Sean McDermott around when Sean McDermott was the defensive coordinator in Carolina. Um, he went there and he got promoted to assistant head coach. But what I like is that he focuses on the D line. Um, I do think that we're going to have a lot of new pieces that are in there. It's nice that Montez Sweat's there. I like that he was an assistant head coach under a very consistently good organization, you know, with uh, Brandon being and McDermott over there. So great hires. I mean, that's a great way to start off the off season. Somebody who has that background, that history to pair with Waldron and Parathiever Flus. I mean, they, a lot of Bears fans were upset with keeping Eberflus, but these are the types of moves they needed to make to kind of settle those waters. And it was very clear this is an attractive place to be right now. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we we did also get a quarterback coach hire uh, as well. Yes. Terry, Terry Joseph is coming from Seattle. He was the assistant quarterbacks coach. 
he is going to be coaching in the senior bowl. Um, he's going to be coaching a few for those quarterbacks. So it's going to be another bears coach that is coaching either the senior bowl or the shrine bowl. He's never been a quarterback coach by himself before, but I mean, Dave Canals was a quarterback coach under Shane Waldron and he just got a six year deal for the Carolina Panthers to be the head coach. So if Shane Waldron sees something in him, I'll, I'll have faith in Shane Waldron. <laughs> Look at us being optimistic on an offensive coordinator. This can't go wrong at all. I feel <laughs> nothing but good things. I, don't know. I was a little underwhelmed with Joseph. I am old enough to remember him as a defensive back. So I had to like <laughs> double take when I was like, this is the same one. But I know he went to the CFL, played both ways, um, you know, has definitely put the time in. The only reason I'm a little bummed because I, as I referenced in the last episode, I was hoping Greg Olson would be the quarterback coach to come along with Waldron. So that kind of, washes that dream but we'll see he looks like he's definitely paid his dues he also sometimes to be good the shanahan model with uh i think bobby slovic was you gotta learn one side of the ball before you can move over to the other so maybe carrie joseph having a defensive understanding that could be you know a positive angle in helping a quarterback develop especially reading defenses and stuff like that so I mean, we'll see what happens i think it'd be advantageous i mean we see Deion Sanders at Colorado, he's DB, his, his son's a quarterback and he's a pretty good quarterback. So I think there's, there's some advantages of learning from someone who's played the defensive side of the ball before as a quarterback. It can definitely. And as a longtime Bears fan, I just, I found, I don't get overly invested in the positional coaches anymore. Yeah. I mean, we, for example, we had Brandon Staley here, then he went to become one of the top defensive coordinators out there. And I barely even remembered him being here. It's just one of those yeah. that we, it, as a fan, we don't really understand it as much. Um, I just, the only thing I'll look at is Waldron's history. He had Greg Olson this year. He had, you know, he had um, Canales the year before that. So that's what I'm going to judge is how those two people are. And I know that how good they are in their job. Um, and I feel like he would have had his choice of some people. So it says a lot. Um, and I just, I hope it pays off whether it's with Justin, whether it's with Caleb, whether it's with, Drake May or Jaden Daniels or something weird that we're not foreseeing. Um, but again, it, it's somebody who knows the system. He's been with Waldron for a while. And um, what, so what do we have left? We have a running back coach. I know we need to hire. We have a wide receiver coach that's still out there. And I believe, you know, assistant tight end, if we want to get that, you know, deep in the woods with it. Yeah. I think, I think that's it. Cause it's yeah. minus the coordinator. Yeah. Tim well, doesn't get attached to positional coaches because they inevitably get fired. So he just does it as a defense mechanism. So. For, in, for inconspicuous reasons, they get fired. <laughs> we still don't know what's happened to so many people. But any final comments on the coaching staffs before we hop into our mock your future for the Bears? No, I'm ready to mock it up. Yep. All right. So we are going to hop into this. So we have three different mocks that are happening. So I'm going to explain it a little bit before we get going. So... There's three basic paths that when you have the Bears picks that you do um, that are really possible um, to build the team. There is picking a pick one, picking a pick nine. We have our third rounder. We're only going to do the first three rounds today. So there's keeping those picks, picking, you know, Caleb Williams or quarterback at one. There's the second option of, you know, keeping one pick, trading the other pick to try to get things, you know, those two scenarios, you trade fields. And then the third option, there's keeping fields and then building as good of a team as you can around them. Um, so we're going to try in this podcast to do this three different times. This is going to be the first one when we're just getting information in. We're just, you know, in the Shrine Bowl time right now, Senior Bowl next week. We're going to try to probably do it again near the Combine. And then pending if a trade or anything is done picked, we're going to try to do it a week or two before the draft. So we're each going to take a different scenario. We're going to talk about it, talk about the prospects we have. We're going to do a three-round mock. We're also going to pick a few free agents to kind of pair with that so you can see where our team building is. And we're going to try to base this off kind of historical precedent on what we've seen on Ryan Poles <clears throat> and a little bit on what we think he will do um, in the draft versus what we would personally do, because I think that that's the scenarios that we want to look at. So yep. Lisa, you are first and I'll let you explain what mock you're doing and then kind of go from there. So the mock I did was we keep one, we keep nine and we trade Justin Fields. Uh, so that was the mock I did. My free agent signs, we each did three free agents. We signed my first one. I did this before I found out who the defensive coordinator is going to be, but I picked AJ Epinesa, uh, the edge rusher from Buffalo Bills. 
He's always been in a rotation. I think he's going to be one of those under the radar, won't break the sign, won't bank, won't break the bank signing that Ryan Poles likes to look for. Uh, like Demarcus Walker was kind of one of those last year, trying to find that high upside guy who, you know, wasn't a high portion part of that defense for their previous team, but can make an impact for the Bears. I think Epinesa can maybe fit that bill. Uh, he has back-to-back years with seven sacks, and that's with him being in a rotation. So maybe in a full-time role, he can do a little bit better with that, uh, improve those sack numbers. My second free agent was Evan Brown, the Seahawks center. Shane Waldron is this was the Seahawks offensive coordinator, is now the Bears offensive coordinator. Uh, Evan Brown has been in the scheme for several years. He's a three-year starter. Um, so I think it'd be an easy kind of plug and play. You know, my offense help this, help this quarterback out, whoever it is, whether it's Justin Fields or whether it's Caleb Williams, help them out, learn this offense, take, make it easy for them. Yes. I know we heard similar things with Luke Getze and Lucas Patrick, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to hope Evan Brown works out. He's only allowed three sacks this past year in 2023. My third option or third free agent signing is Eddie Jackson's replacement. It is Geno Stone, the Baltimore free safety. Uh, this year, you know, he's Baltimore's defense is really legit. They have players all over the field. Um, so he doesn't, he's not really a full-time starter just because of how many talented talent they have back there. But he did end up getting seven interceptions this season. Um, and he's an Iowa defensive back. Iowa just breeds defense. So can't go wrong there. AJ Epinesa also went to Iowa. So we got two Hawkeyes on my free agency list. So now my mock draft, first three rounds. So my first overall pick was Caleb Williams, the quarterback from USC. My ninth pick was Roma Dunze, the wide receiver from Washington. Now, Caleb Williams, there's a lot we can talk about with him. I know we're going to talk about Caleb Williams in exhaustion during this preseason pre-draft process. So I won't get into really the talent he is. I think the only thing Caleb needs to do is really pass the interview portion, make polls feel like he, you know, he's a good person. He's making the right choice. This guy can lead a team. I think that's really all Caleb needs to do is check that box. And he's really the pick. Um, Rome Adunze, the wide receiver from Washington. He's 6'3", 215. Uh, he's, he's just a number one traditional X receiver, all-around guy with no weakness. He uses his size to win downfield and absolutely bully people in contested situations. There's multiple years of production, and he's still pretty young. He'll be almost 22 on draft night. Um, he kind of gives me a little bit of Mike Evans vibes just on – how big he is. Mike Evans is a little bigger, but just a big contested catch bully pretty much that can also pick up yards after the catch. So I really do like Roma Dunze a lot. And if he's there, would absolutely love to have him. So now Justin Fields get tra gets traded. The team I traded him to was the New England Patriots. In this situation here, I figured – they took Marvin at three. They took the receiver, and they'll take a they'll take a stab at Justin Fields. Um, so the trade compensation I did was the Patriots get Justin Fields in a 2025 sixth round pick. The Bears get the sec uh, second rounder, pick 34 overall, in a conditional fourth in 2025 that can become a third depending on some kind of metric. I didn't get into what metric it was. You can make up, you can use your imagination on what the conditional reasons are. Now with that second round pick that we got from New England, I selected Chop Robinson, the edge rusher from Penn State. Chop Robinson, uh, he's 6'3", he's 254 pounds. He's really a pass rusher only right now, but he has really high upside. His first step off the snap is really quick. Uh, he's very quick off the line, and he can generate quarterback pressure pretty well. He just kind of struggles in the run game and also converting pressures into the sacks because he doesn't seem to always have, like, a pass rush plan. He just seems like he's he's just going. He doesn't really have a plan or any idea what he's doing. He's just running. Um, but I think he has really high upside, and he just turned 21 years old this month. My third-round pick and the final pick for my mock 
is Roman Wilson, the wide receiver from Michigan. Uh, he is six foot one ninety two. He's pretty much a slot guy, maybe a Z receiver. So kind of like what where Mooney lined up. He's a speedster as well. Um, he's not a flashy player, but he's just solid all around receiver who's a reliable target. Um, really strong hands. But despite his speed, uh, even he's really fast. Like he ran a four three seven or something like that in high school. Like he's really fast. But he doesn't get a lot of yards after the catch. So it's kind of funny with him. Uh, he just, for some reason, he's not a yak threat. He doesn't get yards after the catch. But he's just a safe player, high floor. He'll be a quarterback's friend, uh, just reliable target. Don't think his ceiling's all that high, which is probably why I'll go in like the third. But safe floor, good player. That's my mock. All right. So, I mean, a lot of stuff to go in there. Brian, why don't you kind of attack it first? And let me... Let me hear your thoughts on what I'm calling the this is the standardized what we're expecting. We took one, we brought in one guy from the defensive staff, but that was unplanned. We brought one guy from uh, Waldron's staff and Evan Brown, and then we stuck with our picks. Brian, give me your thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't mean this to be negative, but this is probably a chalk offseason. What you'll see in a yep. lot of magazines in the upcoming and pods that are not ours, if you do happen to listen to other pods. Um, it'll be on that Rome. I mean, I've heard the Mike Evans comparison. He also, I've heard he's like a super sized Chris Alave, um, just very smooth, very fluid, good ball skills. Um, there's really nothing to knock with the first two picks. Uh, and then you're the first, the second round pick refresh my memory who that was again, a chop. It was chop Robinson. So, yeah. So chops can be very polarizing. I know he's very polarizing on this pod. Um, I yeah, still I have some that. Penn State time. <laughs> I, I know. I know that was painful for you. Um, <laughs> well, I like them in the second. Be polarizing. Let me preface that. I like them in the second. First round, I'm a hard out. Second round, it's worth the, it's worth the risk. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, Sorry. He, he's, he's got a very high ceiling. He p- could potentially, if he doesn't develop any counter moves or anything like that, he'll have a very low floor. So there is a yeah. little boom bust to him. Um, I think he's very well respected in the Penn State locker room. They definitely missed him against Ohio State. Um, he made a very big impact play this past year that was taken back for kind of a BS call, if you ask me. Um, and then they lost him for the game, I think, shortly thereafter, and the game quickly fell apart after that. Um, so he can be a difference maker, but he if he doesn't win initially, he does struggle. Um, I know some of the other tackles – um, I think the Juan James last year, he got kind of enveloped by him and really could go nowhere. Um, so I like that pick, especially, like you said, where he's taken. And Roman Wilson, I think, is kind of an undersung Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy. Everybody talks about them, and rightfully so. But Roman made a lot of big plays. I think he had a few big catches in the Alabama game. So I think in the third round, that's kind of what you want. A guy that's probably going to be at worst, like a very good maybe number three, maybe a low end two. So yeah, I think it's solid, if not you know you know triple home run uh, picks, you know with Adunze and uh, Caleb. So good job. Thank you. I mean, I think there's a lot to like here. I like you know especially with the news that Washington is our new defensive coordinator, pairing a veteran like um, Evanessa with um, Chop Robinson and having that rotation with Walker and Sweat. Of course, with Walker's ability to get into the three tech position, I think that that's. That's a really with the high upside. I've heard people call Chop Robinson, you know, a Yannick in a way where he can pass, you know, rush the passer at a high level, but the run question, the run game is a little bit question. I was going to stop that, but there's no question on his efforts. And I think that that's a guy that Luce will love. And I think that he's a guy who's, you know, going to interview really well with a lot of guys. Uh, he's going to test really well too, which Ryan Poles is going to love. Yeah, I mean, so, so I thought that that was a good pairing. I mean, we can't fix everything. And I know that if we went to the fourth round, you'd attack interior O-line. I have my worries of Evan Brown. Um, I, I mean, I, I actually looked and watched a few different Seahawks games earlier this year, and I thought, oh, man, I thought this guy was going to be really good. But I just – I have a lot of Lucas Patrick vibes from him of <laughs> – because he was the center from the previous team our offensive coordinator came from. He hasn't had a lot of high-end success before. I think, you know, and we don't have to dive into PFF grades. I think PFF has them as a lower bottom five center right now, which doesn't mean a ton to me, but watching him, I can kind of see where that come from. But what I do like is that he knows Waldron's system. And with this, we have a rookie QB who's coming into the NFL and having that 
should be able to help. Didn't help a lot with Patrick, but I'm hoping that it does help. So my, my fear on that type of build would just be that anterior offensive line. But again, I know once we got into the fourth, you would hope somebody like maybe a Cedric Van Pran would have been there. Yeah. But this is, yeah, this is what I would say is if somebody just wanted to copy and paste the expectation, Williams, Odunze, you know, trading fields for a second, you know, and then edge wide receiver. I love double dipping wide receiver especially in this draft. I think it's, you know, it's just that class to do it in. So a lot of great things that are there. So, I mean, that would be a really exciting team day one, I think. I mean, who's not going to be excited to watch DJ Moore, Adunze, Roman Wilson, Tyler Scott. It's a young core that Waldrick can work. It's a lot of groupings that can do, you know, that can be really good. And the D-line, I mean, Robinson, Vanessa, Gino Stone can, you know, tied in with Jaquan Brisker. That's a lot of fun. And that's what all of these mocks should be. They should, you just should feel great at every position. And I really feel good about that. Any final thoughts that we want to go through on this one before we hop into mock number two? I'm just going to say I had my options of Texas players in the second round and I did not take them. (laughs) I'm proud of you on two things. So for those who don't know this, like, we, you know, we watch tape as it goes through the year and through the college tape. And Alyssa almost a month or two ago, says, I do not like chop Robinson because at the time he was getting mocks in the top 10, the top 20. Um, And uh, I was, I was surprised you put him in here because I know you weren't high in him earlier on, but I, I think that once you get to that, 30 mid thirties range, the upside's there. So yeah. Like I, when I watched him, I graded him as a high second round player. I just was like, if you take him at 10, I'm going to puke. But if you <laughs> take him at like 34, like that's, that's worth it to me. But yeah, there was, there's a lot of Texas players. I almost went Byron Murphy, but I'm like, I don't think he's going to make it. Everyone's mocking <laughs> him in the first now. Like I, like Daniel Jeremiah mocked him in the first, Dean Brugler mocked him in the first. I'm like, I can't take him in. I can't take him in the second. He's probably going in the first. All right, who's next? I'm going to hop into the next one. So I feel like mine and yours are very similar. I wanted to take a little bit of a different approach. And this is the approach, if I were to bet money, this is the one that I think that is the most likely scenario of what does happen um, or that, that does happen in the draft just because it fits a lot of different things that polls does. Um, so I'm, I'm going to dive in uh, with my free agents first. So just to note what my mock is going to be, we're going to keep pick one, but we're going to trade back from pick nine. My mock is going to be focused in on adding picks and just continuing to add at the position. So in my scenario, the Dunze neighbors, even um, Brock Bowers, and of course, Marvin Harrison, those are all gone. Um, so when we got to nine at my pick, that's my expectation. And I'm working the board based off of that information. So for my three free agents that I signed, um, I have the first one's going to be Xavier McKinney. Um, he would be taking over the free safety role that Eddie Jackson would be leaving. Why I picked him is he fits a lot of things that I think Pulse has looked at in free agency. He's only 24, he's highly athletic, and he's just hitting that prime period where um, he's just hitting his prime period. I think when he does pay people, I think that he's going to want to pair a veteran free safety with, um, you know, Jaquan Brisker still got two years left on his uh, rookie deal. I think that that's just a good pairing with age, athleticism, Nothing but good remarks from the coaching staff. You know, there's a definitely a good chance he doesn't get out of the New York Giants where he plays now. But I think that he'd be a really strong addition for the next two to three years of the team, which is something that I always think Poles looks at. And knowing that we're going to have a rookie quarterback, I felt okay spending a little bit more on that position. Next one I have, I did bring in over a uh, Shane Waldron type with Noah Fant. Um, I thought that he would be a good addition. He's been with Walter now the past two years. And while, while fans' numbers aren't explosive, I think that he's a good complement to what Komet can do, that there are two different types of receivers where he can be that more athletic pass-catching tight end, and they can run a lot of 12 for Fennell. Um, He's an elite athlete. He's young, and he has high upside. So I didn't see the high-end wide receivers really in free agency because I wanted to sign somebody there. But I found Fan knowing the system, being able to play with Cole Komet, and I'm already ready to hear all the complaints that Bulls paid two linebackers last year and I was going to pay two tight ends this year and Komet and Fan. 
I think it's a good pairing. I think it gives us flexibility. Um, and again, somebody who came from that system. So Xavier McKinney, Noah Fant, and my third one is Lloyd Cushenberry. He's the center out of the Denver Broncos right now, coming off his best year. And you're going to hear a lot more of he's younger. I think he's only 25 or 26. He was a high Raz person. And I love that he was the center for Russell Wilson the last two years, meaning he is very used to quarterbacks who scramble. Quarterbacks whose time to throw is a little bit higher. I mean, he was running a little bit of a different system, but he is a high-end athlete. And I think that that's what Poles is going to want. He might be the most expensive center in free agency this year with the Connor Williams injury, but I think that he is absolutely the best fit for what we're going to want. And it gives us a good player day one, which is what I really want to have for Caleb Williams. I have been talking about adding a high-end veteran center to this team for like half a decade at this point, maybe maybe even longer, but he would be the one that I would target and he'd be the one that I'm okay overpaying a couple million because the center position is so important to a rookie quarterback. So overall, my three free agents are Xavier McKinney, Noah Fant, Lloyd Cushenberry. We'll go through a lot more free agents, um, but I'm pairing that with my draft, which pick one is Caleb Williams. So this is another draft where Caleb Williams goes number one. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to dive into him. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Um, I absolutely love him as a prospect, and I think it's an absolute dream that we can take him with our own pick. And I'm hoping because it's not our personal pick that it won't be cursed. So I think that that's what's needed to break the Bears curse is picking somebody when it's not your actual pick. It's just going to mess with the system there. Um, pick number nine. So I traded pick number nine back to pick 14, and I picked up a second round. So the value between pick nine and pick 14, looking at the chart that the majority of people use, was right around 300 the point difference or the points for pick 45 is 450. So it's a little bit of an overpay for the Saints to move up. And then generally I try to make it a little bit closer. So maybe we put in something like a fourth rounder to kind of even that out. Um, but I moved from pick nine to pick 14 because again, Adunze, Neighbors, and MHJ were all gone in this scenario. At pick 14, I added in Dallas Turner. Um, the edge out of Alabama, he is 20 years old. He's one of the youngest uh, players in the draft right now. He is going to be an absolute freak of an athlete. 6'4", 250, he's going to be, he's going to test phenomenally. I think he's, you know, there's a lot of good edges in this draft. I think that he's going to be the one that's going to be highest on fluces and pulls board because I'm going to go with, you're going to hear me say it a lot, young, athletic, and upside. This is a long-term building. And um, I didn't sign an edge in free agency. I mean, he can just pair right now with Monta Sweat, with Demarcus Walker, and he can just be a part of that rotation. And I love, I, I made this mock before I knew who our hire was going to be for a defensive coordinator. But now that we can pair Washington as our defensive coordinator, getting to tutor that type of talent, who also got to tutor Brian Burns as a rookie, I absolutely love the pick at this point. Going to go through and kind of speed run my next one. So I traded Justin Fields to the Falcons for a second rounder, which was pick 43, and then also a future fourth, which can become a third. So now we have picks 43, 45, and 75. I'm just going to go quickly through that. Pick 43, Xavier Legette, I might be pronouncing that wrong, was there. I know he fits. When people say his name, a lot of people will say DK Metcalf. He's going to be 6'3". He's going to run under 4'4", and he's just a freak athlete. I think that he fits that role and seeing what Waldron was doing in Seattle and having that type of wide receiver, you can already see the fit there. Um, there's some concerns that he only had one big year of productivity, but there's also a note that, that he's only had one big year of a good quarterback that was at that college. I think that they just found out how to use him. He has some special teams ability. And I think that there's so many good receivers here that if we do end up missing one at nine, this is the scenario. Take one of the top edges where there's, you know, three really good edges, and then kind of double up on it here in the mid-rounds. Pick 45, I took Jackson Powers Johnson, the center out of Oregon. I live in Oregon right now, um, so it was kind of exciting to be able to pick him. I don't know if he's going to be there, so if people want to say maybe Graham Barton or Zach Frazier here, I doubled up on the interior O-line. Jackson Powers Johnson can play center. He can play guard. He's uh, just, you know, he's somebody kind of blew up into the scene this year. There's a lot of people who've been able to talk to him. He can be a day one starter, but in this scenario, since I also signed Cushenberry, 
He's a top backup. That's how much I want to put into this interior. If Nate Davis goes down, if Tevin Jenkins goes down, now you have that flexibility of that interior line. Um, and that's kind of the perk of getting these two seconds back, you know, from trading back one and trading fields is that you can attack this where the value of the draft is and be able to attack the interior. Um, I could, I'm going to talk about Jack Spires Johnson a lot over the next few months. I'm not going to dive into it here, but he's a really exciting player to watch. And then my third round pick, we I took somebody who uh, Brian talked about last week, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong again, Malachi Corley. I absolutely love Corley. I've been watching him for like four months now, and he's just a very fun, people are going to say, a Debo-like player. He's just an explosive yards after catch type guy, and he adds something to the pass catching group that no one else had there. So in this scenario, we'd have DJ Moore, we'd have Xavier We'd have Malachi Corley, we'd have Tyler Scott, we'd still have Baylor's Jones if he makes the roster. So it gives us a lot of different guys who can do something. And then on the edge group, you know, I'm adding Dallas Turner to Montez Sweat. And then the interior line, I'm adding in Lloyd Cushenberry and Jackson Powers Johnson. So a lot of options. We're adding in a lot of depth, which is what we need. And we're taking the big swing at quarterback with Caleb Williams. Ah, that is my <laughs> I'll let you guys break it down and just go through your thoughts on the players and just, you know, what you think of everything with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like it. If this was the offseason that happened, I, I would approve. I would say good job, Pulse. He cooked once again. Um, the Let's see, McKinney, that's a great signing. You know, I went the similar route. We just picked different players. That's pretty much the only difference there. I would be very happy with McKinney, though. Uh, Noah Fant, I do really like Noah Fant. I thought about doing Noah Fant myself. Um, he was a former first-round pick, Iowa tight end. Iowa knows how to make tight ends and, you know, he may be more expensive. Yeah. But we tried doing that same thing of, you know, get a more athletic pass receiving option to pair with commit with Robert Tunyon. Tunyon just absolutely was nothing. Uh, so let's hope that Noah Fant does have an impact, which I do think, you know, bringing, being from Seattle, being familiar with Waldron, he could have a better impact. Uh, but then again, we thought the same with Tunyon. <laughs> um, Lloyd Cushenberry, I did really like him when he came out into the draft, so that I would like that signing. It was funny that you mentioned he has experience with Russell Wilson because uh, Shane Waldron has experience with Russell Wilson. So maybe, you know, I don't know how much he's learned. Like, he brought over, like, Seattle Russ went to Denver Russ, you know, but, like, there is some kind of overlap there a little bit. So it was a little interesting and a fun tidbit when you said that clicked in my head when you said that. Uh, uh, Caleb, I took Caleb as well, so we don't we don't need to dive in there. But I do I do love Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner is my highest rated edge rusher. Uh, I all three of them are great. I would be happy with any of the big three edge rushers. I just think Dallas Turner has the highest ceiling of the three, and he was a team captain at Alabama, which I think saying something considering he was only twenty years old. Will Anderson's always talked very highly about Dallas Turner. Um, when I was researching, when I was doing my report for Dallas Turner, I saw a lot of articles about Will Anderson saying how he always wants to learn, how he's always in the film room. And Nick Saban, you know, really liked him as well. I do think Turner has some bonehead plays sometimes uh, that he definitely will need to correct. But I think overall, he's a great, great person to compliment Montez Sweat. So I'm a big fan of that, uh, that selection. Xavier Leggett, I admittedly have not watched him yet, um, but I do know, you know, there's concerns about he only had one year of production. He was at South Carolina for five years. He is really fast and he's a big dude and he has some cool highlight plays. That's about all I know about Leggett, so I won't get into that much there. Jackson Powers Johnson, I don't think he'll be there, but it would be a really fun pick if he is. Um, we, we need more interior help because I don't think Nate Davis will be on the team this upcoming season, I don't know if he'll be on the team beyond this coming season. Uh, and then Malachi Corley is just like like we've been saying on this pod. He he's a fun Debo like player, so you always want one of those on your team. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, the first two picks you can't go wrong. I have a slightly different view on edge than Alyssa does, and I guess probably you too, Tim. But Turner's a fine player, especially trading down and getting him there. Uh, anyway, anytime we can work the law firm in Jackson Power Johnson, I'm all for <laughs> it. Um, I obviously touched upon Corley last week, so I'm a big fan of him. 
And especially I do like doubling up um, at receiver. Your free agents like McKinney, I don't know. McKinney actually might hit the market because Martindale's gone now. So with a scheme change, and I have a feeling they're going to dump some money into the offense again. So who's maybe he does become free. I toyed with Cushionberry. I went a slightly different direction for my free agent, but I like him. Uh, I think he's going to be 27, but I think he just turned 27. Um, so still really young, has experience. He's gotten better, I think, each year. Um, he's been in Denver. And, you know, I think all around it was very well-rounded, just like Alyssa's. There's really nothing you can even nitpick as far as uh, we've had a, a nightmare at center for since like Roberto Garza left like it's been a nightmare so I mean Whitehair had one good year James Daniels was okay and we just kept moving and moving and moving so I think you hit the nail on that with every pick and signing yeah yeah and again it's just one of those that I have that flexibility and it's such a fun draft when you have those second and third rounders and I think polls is gonna find that too um and with Dallas Turner, the, the thing with him, I don't think he's going to be the top edge from day one. I think that Latu or Verse will be there. Um, I think that they're better right now. They're also yeah. two to three years older. Um, and it's just one of those that, again, Poles is always long-term building, explosive, safe prospects. Lloyd Cushenberry, he plays. He doesn't miss games. No offense. He miss, does, you know, I'm trying to pick guys who miss, who don't miss games. I'm worried that Latu might have the injury concerns. Um, verse, you know, if they picked verse, I, instead of Turner, I do a backflip as well. I mean, it's just some great players. So, all right, we don't want to go too long here. We have one more mock we want to do. So we have drafted Caleb Williams twice. The majority of Bears fandom should be happy, but what happens if we don't draft Caleb Williams and Justin Fields is him? <laughs> all right, well, be prepared to start raging because i again this is what polls would do nobody at me with this this is strictly in polls mindset my mock will be very different as the offseason progresses so the underwhelming begins with the free agent signing so free agent signing number one i have them signing a probably second wave edge and mike dana from kansas city polls i'm sure has some familiarity with him he is not going to break the bank but he's very solid um, I think he's had like, I think he has six and a half sacks somewhere around there this year, but he's all, he plays the run. Well, he's just well-rounded. He's always available. He's not flashy. And I was going to go for a bigger splash at edge in free agency, but they just paid Montez. I'm also operating that they have to pay Justin and you have to extend Jalen. So that money gets sucked up really quick. So I think Dana might be in the DeMarcus Walker range, maybe a little bit less. Um, so that's one. Um, I went for a free agent center, but I went for a different one. I went with Andre James from the Raiders, um, I believe, who took every single snap for the Raiders. Jacobs's yards went down a little bit, but when Zaire White came in, their run game was pretty good. He also had to work with a carousel of quarterbacks, and Colton Miller was out. They had kind of like just mayhem all around him. And I believe, even though I do not like PFF, I believe he's one of the higher rated centers um, especially for the free agency crop. He is only, I think, 27 years old. Um, so he's still fairly young. I think he's around the same. He's actually 26. Um, so he's a little bit younger. I'm not going to split hairs over a year. So I went with him because I cannot stand this turnstile at center. Now for the pick that everyone's, or the free agent signing, everybody's going to hate. So we know Poles is MO. He likes to sign young people. Maybe coming off a down year, they can rebound. Uh, he likes to take ga calculated gambles. I think Deontay Foreman is moving on. So I think Poles goes back to his alumni and signs AJ Dillon to a one-year deal oh, and fulfills oh. <laughs> and fills and fills the power back role, who can also catch, does have some injury concerns. But my thinking in this is he is going to wrongfully assume that this running back class is not great. And just like he did with the Claypole move, he may preemptively sign somebody to a very cheap deal and fill swap Foreman out for AJ Dillon. Again, this is not me. This is polls. So save the hate. It's also you. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, so the first I traded twice. So I ended up with two picks in each of the first three, three rounds. 
So the first, I traded the first overall pick to the Patriots. So I did not trade Justin to them. I traded the first overall pick. So in exchange, I received their 2020, their, the third overall pick in this year's draft, their 2025 first and their 2025 second. And that was offered me by a, the AI. So that was not me like forcing it or anything like that. So with that pick, I took Marvin Harrison Jr., which is about as no-brainer as you can possibly get. I then was prepared to pick at nine, but I believe the only person that I would have taken was Bowers. However, I received the 16th overall pick and their 2025 first from Seattle. So I took it because, again, Holes is always setting up the next move that if Fields doesn't pan out this year, he'll have three ones next year and two seconds. So, or three seconds rather. So, with the 16th pick, I took Jared Burse. Okay. Which you can debate whether he's going to be there or not, but Verse is my number one edge. He may not have the upside as Turner, but he dominated at a lower level, transferred to Florida State, and didn't miss a beat. Um, if you watch towards the end of the season this year, when Florida State was basically a one dimensional team. Uh, he just took games over and walked a 320-pound offensive tackle, literally picked him up and just threw him into the quarterback. He is probably out of the box, seven, eight sacks his rookie year, no problem. He may never hit like the 15 that maybe Turner, some people think, but he's going to be rock solid day one. And then you have him, Walker, and in this scenario, Mike Dana as your four defensive ends, which is a pretty good rotation. And I think Washington will be able to maximize everything out of that with pick 34 acquired from the patriots i took eddie's presumed replacement and tyler newbin um i have liked him for a while he's one of the true ball hawks of this draft he i believe had i think i think one year he had i think almost five or six interceptions he had think he had a little bit less this year but still very effective he's made big plays in big moments I know last year in the Penn State game, he picked Clifford off, um, literally came out of nowhere and just picked it in the red zone. So he is just a rock-solid free safety, would be a good pairing, and we know Poles likes to spend second-round picks on defensive backs. So um, that is that. So I'm sorry, I had three third-round picks, not two seconds. So at pick 68, um, I took Zach Frazier, who may or may not be there, but if he is there, I sure as hell would take him because you know... Tevin and or Nate Davis is going to get hurt, is going to miss time, and you don't want to be shuffling and playing musical chairs, moving your center over or moving somebody else to center like we've had to do. Um, so I went with Zach Frazier. He's already well ahead in his rehab from the broken leg and looks like he has that grit and everything and the leader that pulls loves. Um, and pick 75 uh, that we have in the third round, I also doubled up at receiver. I don't know if this person's going to be there, but I took Tez Walker from North Carolina, who I like a lot. Um, he's another guy like Verse, played at a small school or a smaller school in the MAC, dominated against Georgia at a small school, and then would have played a full year. And I think the narrative on this draft might be different because Drake Mazier might have looked a lot different and his total numbers would look a lot better. Um, but Tez Walker, I think if he's your third receiver or fourth receiver, you're doing pretty good as your receiving room. And then the closeout at pick 78, which was acquired, um, I took Chop Robinson's teammate, Adisa Isaac, um, who is 6'4", 250, um, probably a little bit more well-rounded than Chop. He had six and a half sacks this year. Um, he would a lot of times clean up if the quarterback was flushed one way. He would kind of get pressure from there, plays the run. Um, I think I have his stats here, how many TFLs he had. So... He, for this year, had six and a half sacks, four quarterback hurries, um, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, and 13 and a half tackles for loss. So when Chop went down, um, I think he missed two games. Isaac st basically stepped in and uh, filled the hole. At that point, again, he's a rotational end, but he has a lot of things. Every defensive player at Penn State, I feel, is like a physical freak. So he may not be Chop Robinson or Micah Parsons, but he's a pretty damn good athlete himself. So that rounds out my uh, my rage uh, mock that I know everyone's just going to tear apart. You know what I love about everyone hating your mock? 
everyone hating your mock, and we end up with Marvin Harrison Jr., Jared Verse, a second, three thirds, and next year we'd have three ones, two twos, because we'd have Carolinas as well. I mean, it's just um, there's, and then we'd have another first, you know, later on. It's just that's the worst case, right? I mean, that's the one that makes yeah. people mad. The AJ best. Dillon has that effect on people, so. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about AJ Dillon. I mean, we're, we're not on, you know, where people can see as well of our faces, but it's right. I mean, if you look at a year ago, and this is why I tell people, oh, that will never happen. No one thought we were getting DJ Moore a year ago from now. No one thought our biggest free agent signing was going to be Tremaine Edmonds. Nobody thought two years ago, our first two picks in the polls era, were going to be two defensive backs. So we have to stop pretending like polls follow some, you know, he's a, Polls deleted his Twitter. He already said it, you know. I mean, he he's not looking at our mocks online and seeing it. He's judging players, and he's doing a really good job of it. So we need to stop pretending like we have a good understanding of what exactly is going to happen because I have been completely wrong on predicting what he's going to do each year. Um, we can talk a lot about it. Uh, Alyssa, what are your thoughts just to kind of briefly on how much was there? Yeah, so I, Mike, is it Dana or Dana? I don't know. I mean, whatever you prefer. <laughs> I could I could definitely see that move. I remember I was watching the the first oh, week one against the Chiefs Lions and uh, the, this Dana guy was going over. I was like, who the hell is Dana? I was like, I've never even heard of this guy before, but he's pretty good. I've I've watched a lot of the Chiefs games and he's pretty good. Yep. I can definitely see that being a polls move. Um, we all picked a center. We all know a center's needed. We all just pick different centers. Um, AJ Dillon. I will disagree that he would pick AJ Dillon. Um, I think the process of him signing a running back is highly probable, but I don't think he would pick AJ Dillon because Deontay Foreman's leaving because I don't think they would have signed Deontay Foreman if they knew that they could draft Roshan Johnson. I don't know. I would disagree with that a little bit. I, I just, I don't, they're very similar. So I don't, think that they would have signed Deontay Foreman if they knew that they were going to get Roshan. That, that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, they're, they're similar players. And as we saw, Deontay Foreman got phased out for Roshan to be playing more. Um, but yeah, if I, I mean, the draft, Marvin, I won't complain if I get Marvin Harrison on my team. And I won't complain if Jared Burst is on my team. Though I prefer Dallas Turner, I can go, I'll be happy with any of the three. So I, I won't be upset with any of them. Adisa Isaac, um, I do know people prefer him over Chop Robinson, so I think him in the third is is a good pick. Uh, Tez Walker in the third round, I like. I'm not that high on Tez Walker, but in the third round, I'm okay with Tez Walker. I think he's a good, you know, third option receiver kind of thing, which for the third round pick, that works. Uh, and then who was your Newbin, Tyler Newbin? I did like that pick too. I would like Newbin, like Cam Kinchin, someone like that. Like, I think they would be really good with Brisker. But yeah, it was a good mock. And if Justin doesn't work out, well, we have three first to pick Quinny next year. I mean, it, when you can, having the three first and that type of ammo, I mean, when Cole says he wants to build long-term through the draft. To me, that is never just meant drafting players in the draft. It's building capital, using those assets to build the team, you know, that, that we've seen him doing each year. So, I mean, it, it's just fascinating. Today, we've gone through three completely different mocks and three completely different scenarios that I'd be absolutely ecstatic about. I mean, there's just, when you have as much ammo as we have, two top 10 picks, the number one pick, a quarterback with upside like Justin Fields, and the cap space that we have. I mean, it's such a good, I mean, I feel like an adult running the team. Um, so it's just, it's an exciting future to have. Um, and there's, you know, three different ones that, you know, we went through, feel free to reach out, talk to us, you know, what, what your favorite one is there. I love that we all, we pick different receivers. I mean, almost through all of these, you pick different edges, different centers. Um, and I think that our needs match up really well with the players that are out. All right, so we're going to end off on uh, prospect of the week and just talk a little bit about somebody that you know, maybe you hadn't heard of prior. Uh, Alyssa, why don't you start us off today? Um, yeah, so since I didn't do a Texas player last week, I'm going to do a Texas player this week. So my – yeah, Brian, act shocked. <laughs> my player is going to be Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver from Texas. Um, he's 6'1", 172, just absolute blazer. 
speed for days. Uh, he's excellent returner. People think he's just a downfield threat, but he's more than that. He is great route runner in all three phases. I want you to look up Xavier Worthy whip route. Just look that up in Google. See the first YouTube video against him in Iowa State. And you'll know what I'm talking about when I say he's a good route runner. He separates more than just speed. He does really good with, you know, stutters, fakes. Um, he's thin. Like, that's going to be his biggest knock is just how skinny he is. But I do think he improves his ability to break tackles this year. Um, watching Texas, he was able to, you know, break some breaks some more tackles, get some more yards after the catch. Um, he catches with his hands, but there is like kind of drop concerns with him. 2022 was pretty bad, but we found out after the season was over, he was playing with a broken hand. No one knew he was playing with a broken hand. He never missed a game for Texas. He's played every single game for Texas, even through a broken hand. And he sprained his ankle last in the end of last season as well, or this season. And he turns 21 on draft weekend. So he's extremely young. Uh, he's going to be a late round one, round two kind of guy that can work all three phases. Absolute speed threat. So can be a receiver, can be a great punt returner. Just a fun, fun watch. That's going to be my prospect of the week. Hook him. <laughs> all right. Brian, Any uh, anyone you want to go through this week for your prospect of the week? So I am going to list somebody that I actually have to do a little bit more diving in on, but the little bit that I have gathered, maybe a fast riser, um, not only in this pod, but in the draft process as a whole, and that's Jalen Wright from Tennessee. Um, he is a running back, um, kind of under the radar. Um, the last Tennessee run, running back that went under the radar, Sean Payton traded up for it and had himself a nice little career in Mr. Kamara. Um he has allegedly, which I find this hard to believe, but he allegedly was clocked at 23 miles an hour, which I don't even know if that's humanly possible. Um, but he has a lot of upside. I don't think he has a ton of tread uh, worn off the tires at this point. And he would be very much the type of back that I have alluded to in other uh, episodes that we need that home run threat that we do not have. So I'm going to do a little bit more of a dive and we may kind of, he's more of a stay tuned because uh, I want to do a little bit more film study on him. But from what I've gathered and hearing people talk about him that I respect, um, he's definitely somebody to watch in this process. Yeah, that's a good shout out. I had him in my my mock I did. I did like a whole five rounder, but we only talked about the first three. I picked Jalen Wright. I like him. Nice. And a uh, big surprise here. I'm going to go with uh, another offensive lineman. Today I'm going to talk about Zach Frazier. Uh, in Brian's mock, he was taken in round three. He is a center out of West Virginia. Um, everyone, you know, when, when you look up Zach Frazier, you're going to hear the fun tidbits that, you know, he was an All-States wrestler. And you can see that in his um, in his play style, you know, you actually see a lot of wrestlers that become centers because of that grip strength, the ability to withstand defensive tackles is extremely strong. He is powerful. He's a violent finisher, which is something that we know Poles loves. Um, Dane Brigler has him as his top center. Actually, he might have Jackson Paris Johnson there, but uh, just a phenomenal player. I think that he's going to be going in that 40 to 50 range. Um, he's just somebody who's I'm going to be able to start day one. I think that he's going to be able to play guard as well, but I don't think that he has that same translation that somebody like Graham Barton out of Duke or Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon will have. He is mainly just a center. He's 6'3", 310 pounds, and that's been his main position. But um, he's a true professional. Um, I mean, he's going to bring in a lot of leadership. He's very valued in West Virginia. He broke his leg uh, in the middle of the game. If you didn't know how he ended his college career, broke his leg. And instead of them calling a timeout, he ran off the field so to help his team and save his team. That's the type of mentality that Zach Frazier is going to bring. Um, I think that – he, he'd be great on the team. Um, and, you know, some, something that's just funny that just kind of cracks me up when I was reading and listening about him is that he's already married, which is just the most center thing that you will ever hear. Um, <laughs> so coming in, you know, he'll be like a, you know, mid-30s type of guy. But you know, um, hopefully, he, you know, I'm sure he'll be on our radar. I'm excited to watch more of him and just a really fun, you know, watch and a really good center class. Zach Frazier, center of West Virginia. And we covered a lot today. So we went through three different mocks, three prospects, talked about a lot of the exciting things. I just saw news that Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator. Of the yeah. So who would have thought a year ago, they've got Vic Fangio and Kellen Moore over there. So some exciting news. 
We appreciate you listening in. Um, Next week, we will do a breakdown. Um, We'll talk briefly about the NFC and AFC Championship. Shrine Bowl is happening this week. We've got Senior Bowl next week, so we're going to do a lot of talking about that. We're probably going to break down a few popular mocks that are out there from experts like Dane Bergler, um, you know, Mel Kuyper. I want to talk about mocks each week and just see what the national experts are saying, and we can give our Bears thoughts on that. And we'll, of course, be doing a uh, Player of the Week next week, too. So thank you very much for listening in. Brian and Alyssa, do you guys have anything else? No, see you next week. Stay tuned.